Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Green Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldschmidt swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Green Bar, your distributor for electrical and data com needs. Silicon win! Now, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. And at the Super Bowl in Glendale, let's check in with Steve Futterman. There will certainly be a brotherly feeling on the field today. For the first time in Super Bowl history, two brothers are playing for opposite teams. Jason Kelsey, the center for the Philadelphia Eagles, up against his brother Travis Kelsey, the great tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Jason Kelsey has said he loves his brother, he wants his brother to do well, but he doesn't want his brother to win. No, of course not. That's a great story, though, I'll tell you that. And he is a tremendous player. Travis Kelsey, I think, is going to go down as the greatest tight end to ever play. He already has postseason marks and climbing. Only Jerry Rice has better numbers receiving-wise in the postseason than Travis Kelsey. He, that's incredible to think about as a tight end, his receiving yards just shy of Jerry. This could end up being one of the great Super Bowls of all time, says Kevin Harlan. They are ready to go for the Super Bowl. It's going to be, I think, uh, I think it's going to be one of the best Super Bowls actually we've ever had. Two evenly matched teams that that have, uh, you know, strengths maybe in different areas, but at the end of the day, it is very evenly matched. And two evenly matched quarterbacks, says Harlan, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. The one thing they do have in common, even though they may play a little bit differently, uh, Hurts being more of a running quarterback, and certainly Mahomes with that generational talent and arm strength and, and skill, um, as they both will their teams in, in, in the same way, kind of like Brady did. You know, Brady didn't have the best arm, the fastest feet, um, the, the greatest body, on and on and on. But what he did have, he had that will to win and will to get better, and that was contagious on the Patriots. And I think we see that same element very very much apparent with the Eagles and the Chiefs. Mahomes is celebrated. There's no doubt about that. He's won a Super Bowl. He is the NFL MVP. But let's not overlook Jalen Hurts here. He finished runner-up to Mahomes for the MVP in the league. And Harlan says... The same, too, for Jalen Hurts, who's been a leader at Alabama and at Oklahoma, a decorated college quarterback. And uh, he's come in as a high pick in the second round a couple of years ago and, and taken the team and made it his own. He has... Uh, galvanized everybody on that on that team, and he does it because of his professionalism, his attention to detail, and his will to get better and to will the offense to become the best they can be. Kevin Harlan, who will call the game today on Westwood One with our own Kurt Warner, the Super Bowl champion for the St. Louis Rams in 1999, won it on January 30th, 2000. One of the great moments in St. Louis history. Let's relive that for a moment, shall we? Warner and the Rams, who have gone three and out, back-to-back possessions. They go under center with three receivers to the right, one to the left. Warner back to throw. Airs it out. 
deep down the right side, and the pass is caught by Isaac Bruce. He breaks away at the 30. Bruce to the 20. Bruce to the 10. Touchdown. Touchdown, St. Louis Rams. Isaac Bruce, 73 yards, and the St. Louis Rams, for the moment, have the lead. For the moment, said Howard David on Westwood One, because he knew the Titans still had a chance. They had a great quarterback. They had a great line. They had a great running game. And they drove the ball all the way down to the 10-yard line. Steve McNair operating for Tennessee with a chance to tie the game. Shotgun for McNair. Takes the snap. Looks to the right. Throws. And is complete to Tyson at the one-yard line, and he stops short. The clock strikes triple zero. Kevin Dyson caught the ball, and Mike Jones made the tackle at the one-yard line to preserve a win for the St. Louis Rams in Super Bowl 34. And the party was on 23 years ago. Hard to believe it was that long ago, but the St. Louis Rams won the Super Bowl. We will never have that taken away from us. You can take the team away. You can't take the championship away. We won it and had the party right here on Market Street. In fact, you know, you think about that. Since 2000, we've had some parties, haven't we? They've all won. Uh, the the win for the Rams, we had a parade down Market Street in 2000. The Cardinals, they partied in 2006, first world championship for them since 1982. Then they did it again in 2011. The party was even wilder then because of the craziness of that finish with David Freeze winning in the home run in game six. And then a big hit early in game seven, Chris Carpenter on three days rest. What a party that was in the parade actually featuring Tony La Russa, who knew that he was about to tell the team that he was retiring as he went down market street behind the Clydesdales. That's something he always wanted to do. And then in 2019, the blues threw their own parade down Market Street. So we have had some fun here in St. Louis. Kansas City, though, you know, you look at what they've done now with the Royals winning the World Series and the Chiefs getting a Super Bowl a few years ago, beating the 49ers. Can they find a way today to win another Super Bowl for that city and get another championship? They would throw a huge parade there. On the other side, Philadelphia. I know you're getting a little tired of hearing about them here recently because the Phillies knocked the Cardinals out of the playoffs went to the World Series and lost. Uh, the Eagles won the Super Bowl five years ago. They're back at it. They could very well be going down Broad Street here in a few days if the Eagles have their way and if they do what I think they're going to do, which is win this Super Bowl. We have asked people on our live stream, which is on YouTube and also on Facebook. Where else are we? On Twitch, Twitter. We're all over the place, Drew. Uh, we have a number of people that have checked in. Dan Ola says 42-27 Chiefs. Wow, not really any respect for the Eagles' defense there. My gosh, Ola. Uh, John Olson says Chiefs by three and a half. Technically, it's not possible, but he <laughs> is, says the Chiefs will win this thing. Uh, the Eagles are favored by a point. I've got the Eagles winning this 34-31, if you didn't hear my prediction last hour. Steve Cole jokes, is that game today? I've got a Domino's tournament I'm going to. That's a I don't like the NFL anymore joke from Steve. We appreciate that, and it's understandable. Look, Ben Fredrickson wrote a good column, I thought, this morning in the Post-Dispatch, that he understands people who are anti-Chiefs because they didn't really wholeheartedly support St. Louis when we were going through some rough times. Uh, and 
he also doesn't blame fans who have grasped onto the Chiefs. They're fun. They win. I get it. It's exciting. Uh, but I, I understand also fans who haven't really watched the NFL. Super Bowl, no one's making you watch anything today. If you don't want to watch the Super Bowl and you want to go take a walk on a beautiful uh, <laughs> evening, go for it. But it is fun to see, I think, just the entire experience of a Super Bowl. It's always great because, you know, it's a common thing. Everybody kind of puts their worries away for a little while and just enjoys something together. It's very rare that we all have one thing that we all watch at the same time uh, that's fun. Sometimes we all watch something together that's not fun. Uh, the Super Bowl pretty much is fun, especially when you don't have a rooting interest in it. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to worry about it. You lose the game, you're not going to ruin your night. You don't have an NFL team, even better. And you, what if you're a Bears fan? And you're watching this game like, my team stinks. And I got to watch this game and all these people are happy and bouncing around. Why can't my team be good? Give me another beer. You know, now you, if you don't have a team, man, you can just sit back and enjoy this for what it's worth. Maybe wager a buck or two on it. Bradley Davenport, Bradley, Michael Davenport says 24, 21 fly Eagles fly. I'm, I'm along the lines of Bradley. I got it a little higher. 34, 31 Pete Graham says, go chiefs and go Billikens. Okay. Uh, absolutely, Pete. We had a lot of Billikens coverage on the show here. And Mike Valentine says 30 to 17, but I can't see. Is he Eagles? Eagles yeah. That's Eagles. Okay. I see that. 30 to 17 Eagles. Yeah, I kind of like that score too. I, I think it's a little closer. I don't see the Chiefs scoring only 17, uh, but I do like the Eagles in this game. So appreciate all of those. When we come back, we will hear from one of the best, my old friend Howard Balzer, visiting with Joe Roderick. We were able to get Joe down on Radio Row for KMOX at the Super Bowl and a discussion on something that is very close to our hearts, and that is Torrey Holt. Why the heck is he not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? It doesn't make any sense to me. You can't tell the story of the greatest show on turf without Torrey Holt. Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Orlando Pace, yes to all of them. Dick Vermeil, absolutely. Aeneas Williams, not on that 99 team, but on the 2001 team. You bet. But how can you tell the story without Torrey Holt? It doesn't make any sense to me. H will try to make some sense of it when we come back on KMOX. Welcome back to the Graybar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldschmidt swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Billikens win! Billikens win! Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. Thank you very much. Let's head down to Super Bowl 57, Glendale, Arizona. That's where we find Joe Roderick with a very special guest and old friend. He is the H-Man. He is Howard Balzer. What's going on, H? You brought up... you. You got me having some memories there when you mentioned Fast Eddie's. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's been a long time since I've been to Fast Eddie's. H, we uh, we, we got to wrap up the week, and it's on a kind of a down note. Yeah. I, what I mean, what happened? I, what 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 is Tory? Uh, what, what's it going to take? That that's the great question. That is the great question. And I have some ideas that I'm working on, but the essence of it is this and we've seen this before with other positions especially wide receivers we saw it with edge rushers about a decade and a half ago where there was a whole bunch of them that became that were finalists at the same time and it took a while for 
any of them to get elected because they were splitting votes and they were all very close to each other. It happened with offensive linemen several years ago. It happened with Andre Reed, Chris Carter, and Tim Brown for several years back in, I think, I'm trying to remember, about 10 years ago, somewhere in there, when there were a few years where none of, neither of those guys got in. And all three of them were finalists six or seven times before they got in. And so what we have now is a trio of wide receivers that, virt- that everyone agrees is deserving in Torrey, Reggie Wayne, and Andre Johnson. And I'm not going to get into a discussion, oh, who is the better one? I know Rams fans think Holt's the best. Colts fans think Wayne's the best. Houston Texans fans think Andre Johnson is the best of There's those Houston three. Houston Texans fans? What's that? So there's Houston there, Texans There are fans? Houston yeah. Texans fans, yes. And so to me, that's not the debate. That's not the argument because the bottom line is they're all three very close in terms of ability. So then what happens is when they're all finalists together, then who do people vote for when you have your reduction votes? And here's the facts of what happened in that election. All three of those receivers – that we just talked about, made the initial reduction from 15 to 10. Because there was, and Torrey and Reggie Wayne didn't make the 10 last year. Andre Johnson did. They all three made it this year. And the discussion, which went on for a pretty long time among those three guys, which was almost more than an hour and a half, because you, you, you talk about them in order, right? And so it ends up being a referendum on all of them being discussed together, basically. And the, the agreement was they're all deserving of being in the Hall of Fame and that someone should get in and that we have to break the logjam because in three years from today we will be sitting here, Joe, and talking about Larry Fitzgerald mm-hmm. being elected to the Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility. So there's only two classes now before that. And you have three guys sitting there. You have Steve Smith, who was very deserving, and Anquan Bolden, who have been semifinalists the last two years and haven't been finalists yet. So they're waiting for their chance to even get into the final 15. And so I will say this, that when I saw that there was obviously an effort in that reduction vote to move these guys along in the process, I figured that at least one of them is going to get in. Mm-hmm. I was obviously hopeful it would be Tory because one of my big arguments was when it's close among three guys, you take the guy who's waited the longest, and that's Torrey Holt. And I had a lot of guys agreeing with me on that that talked after I made my presentation. So I was hopeful that it would be Torrey, obviously. I was confident at least one of them would, and so then that sets the stage for another one next year. I was stunned, absolutely flabbergasted, when we were read the names of the five finalists, and none of those three guys moved on. None of them. I'm saying, how could that happen? Well, consider this. And these are the little nuances of the process that are unfortunate but are real. There were three pass rushers in the final 15. Dwight Freeney, Jared Allen, and DeMarcus Ware. Right? Of those three pass rushers, only two of them made the final 10. Jared Allen and DeMarcus Ware. So what do you think happened? If there was That's Howard Balzer. We'll get back to that interview in just a bit. We need to take a quick timeout, and we will resume it 
right after these words. It's the Gray Bar Sports on a Sunday Morning. Welcome back to the Gray Bar Sports on a Sunday Morning. Goldschmidt swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Gray Bar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Billikens win! Billikens win! Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. It's 11:28. Let's head back to Super Bowl 57. Joe Roderick standing by with Howard Balzer. A discussion as to why Torrey Holt didn't once again get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Three wide receivers, there was too much split, most likely. And who knows, Tory, Tory or one of them, they might have missed the top five by one or two votes. We don't know the answer to that question. But I will state unequivocally, and I can't prove that I'm right on this, if there had been three edge rushers in the final ten and only two receivers, I guarantee you the receipt, one of the receivers would have made it into the five and not the edge rusher because the splitting of votes wouldn't have happened as much as it likely did in this election. So that brings you back to your original question. What do you do about it? I, 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 you know, the crazy part, I'm doing a show for Sirius last night. And as we're getting ready to go on the air to interview the Hall of Famers, Bill Polian is on late hits on Sirius talking about the guys who had just been announced. Bill Polian is a selector, which some people think is unfair because he's promoting some guys that he – Hat like Reggie Wayne was, was on the Colts yeah. when he was there, and he made the comment when he was asked by the host Bill Leckis, "Well, what about these wide receivers? What's going on?" And he talked about the votes being split and all that. And he says, "And there's a lot of people that think that Tory Holt should have been the first one to go of these guys because he's waited the longest." And the interview said next, he says, "And I have no problem with that." And as soon as he said that, you know what I said, Joe? I said, "I wish you had said that in the room." Right. I wish you had said that when we were talking, you know, and say, hey, you know what? Everyone, all you guys know that I'm in favor of Reggie Wayne. But as many of you have said, if we're going to pick one, pick the one who's waited the longest. That would have had incredible impact yeah. on the rest of the room. But it didn't happen. You know, the other thing that happened is this. Rondé Barber gets in, sixth year of eligibility, right? Albert Lewis, who I believe – Rondé Barber couldn't hold his jock. But for some reason, Albert Lewis was never a finalist. This was his final year of eligibility. He was never a finalist, and I believe he was a semifinalist like only twice. When is Torrey's final year of eligibility? When? Yeah. This was his ninth year, so he still has 11 more years. But next year will be halfway through his modern-day eligibility. Yeah. And so, but with Albert Lewis, and there was a lot of, hey, if, if we don't elect him here, he goes into the abyss, was what we call it, of the seniors' pool, right? And so he had a lot of support in that room during the discussions. He made the final ten. And yet Rondé Barber got in with 14 years of eligibility left, and now Albert Lewis is sent to purgatory. Yeah. And maybe he'll get in someday, but who knows when it'll be. People ask, well, how could he have not been a semifinalist during all that time? And that, that's what's – you almost can't explain why sometimes guys will fall through the cracks, and then when they're not a semifinalist for several years, they get forgotten about. And then maybe someone starts advocating for a little bit. Joe, I, I, st- I advocated for London Fletcher right. this year. Yeah. And I didn't want to go overboard because of doing Tory, and I don't want to think people think I'm just you know going you know, every guy that I think. Well, then Jared Bell sent in a little support letter for London 
before the vote for the 25, the semifinalists. And as soon as he did that, I said, okay, that opens the door for me. So I sent some, some stuff. London made the – this was his fifth year of eligibility. He had never been a semifinalist. He made the semifinalist list. Hopefully that now starts some momentum for him that he's on people's minds and he keeps getting – and then maybe becomes a finalist one day. But sometimes that's what it takes, someone advocating – for a guy. Tori has had the advocacy. Yeah. He, he's been a semifinalist every year he's been eligible. And yet Zach Thomas, who is in his 10th year of eligibility, only one more year than Tori, a finalist for the fourth time, just like Tori, but he hasn't been a, he wasn't a semifinalist every year of his eligibility. He got elected. That's crazy about the advocating for that. How uh, how effective could Kurt and Isaac and Marshall and Orlando how how much could they help in in this process? Not not not. Well, I, I talk about the things they say, but is there video? Like, could you get video of these guys saying this? The, the, I the mean, thing that holds more sway with the voters when I there was a couple of years there where Isaac didn't get in, and I had the, the things that Mike Martz would say, the things Dick Vermeil said, the things that Kurt Warner said, all that, and then he didn't get in. The, the year after Terrell Owens and Randy Moss were elected, Isaac was the only receiver, and he didn't get in. That stunned me, and he didn't even make the final 10 that year. That stunned me even more. And so I asked a couple selectors, what can I do differently? Is there things that I can do in my presentation that you believe will help? with Isaac Bruce. And both of them said to me, everyone expects their teammates or their coach to say good things about them. Mm -hmm. What you need to do is get others, their opponents, to talk about them. And if those opponents can be Hall of Famers, even better. So the next year I got Ty Law, I got Michael Irvin, I got Rod Woodson, and Isaac got elected. I, and I've done, the, I've done yeah. that with Tory. You know, I had Ty Law. I had Mike Holmgren saying great things about him. So sometimes it's just the way the vote goes, and especially when it's close. And, and, and like I said, you end up splitting votes. Here, here's one for you real quick, and I know you have other questions. How many years do you think Lynn Swan was a finalist before he got elected to the Hall of Fame from the Steelers. Well, he, he was up there for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, was. Uh, like 15-something yeah, years. He, he, so you remember that. A lot of people don't realize that. 14 years yeah. he was a finalist. And there was a period of time where he and John Stallworth, his teammate, were finalists together. I think it was about seven or eight years that they were both finalists. And guess what? They were splitting votes. And so one year, from what I've been told, Dan Rooney of the Steelers kind of sent a letter to the committee and said, hey, you guys need to decide. You know, in my mind, Lynn Swan should go in first over John Stallworth. And guess what? That next election, Lynn Swan went in first, and then John Stallworth went in the next year. Let me uh, – so I, 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 it sucks that Tory's not in there. Tory belongs in the Hall of Fame. When, he you look at, when you look at who made the Hall of Fame this year, I think Tory should have made it over them. I will say what's even more criminal, though, is that Devin Hester again? I believe Devin Hester should have been first first year should have been a Hall of Famer. I believe when you look at Hall of Fame, it is for the best of the best, right? There is never a better kick returner in than Devin Hester that I've ever seen. Well, the, the interesting thing about that is there's been some other kick returners who have been just as good in the past, and other kick returners who have been very good. But he was great. Very at good. That. Yeah, I feel like he was the best. He is. And, when you talk kick returners, I think it starts with Devin Hester. Well, and a lot of people believe that. But here's 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 the part of it. It's just why it took Ray Guy until he became a senior to be elected. 
and why there's only two pure kickers in the Hall of Fame. Because what happens is, and I'll tell you something, Devin Hester was presented, I believe he was third or fourth in the order of 15. And he was right before Torrey, in fact, because he was listed as a wide receiver instead of what he really is. And so, well, he's listed as a wide receiver kick returner, but he's really not. A, I mean, he played a little bit, but that, that's, that's Did he not. he started as a wide receiver, or did he start as a corner, as a defensive back? No, well, he played a little defensive back, I think, in college, and they wouldn't even try him there. And, and then so, after, and with the after Bears, Torrey lit him up on Monday night, then they were like, yeah, this probably won't work. With the Bears, where they really tried, and they tried him a receiver, <laughs> and that didn't work. But anyway, point being is the presentation for him was outstanding. The discussion for him was outstanding. And as it proceeded on, I figured this guy's getting in. You know, this guy's getting in because of the momentum and what was being said. Well, then there were, there were another 12 presentations after him. And when you're presenting guys who had tremendous impact on the sport and on the game, who play most every down, as opposed to Devin Hester, who plays what? He's on the field eight, plays, eight, yeah. eight times a game. And I think that, that gets it. When you're making that reduction, you're saying, okay, am I going to vote for Devin Hester? I mean, am I going to vote for, yeah, am I going to vote for Devin Hester? Or am I going to vote for Tory Holt or Reggie Wayne or Andre Johnson or Jared Allen or Albert Lewis or the, or the five that got in? Am I going to vote for him over those guys that were every down players and played at a tremendously high level? And that's what ends up, you know, last year what's interesting is Hester made the final ten. Yeah. This year he didn't. Oh, he didn't. Ooh. No. He didn't make the final ten, and I think, but that's that's a big part of it because he's a special teams guy, and it doesn't diminish what special teams guys bring to the game, but they have that impact, but they have it on a comparatively very small number of plays that other players do. So next year, who who gets added to the list? Uh, who gets added first year next year? The the two names that I've seen that are the most noteworthy are Julius Peppers and Antonio Gates. And what will be interesting... I, I mean, Gates, uh, if you're looking at... I mean, Gates would be a threat, I think, to, you know, when you look at who's there. Julius Peppers, I don't think, is that... Well, I, I think the exact opposite, actually. Okay. Because, and, and, and I'm not saying Gates isn't deserving, but he'll be listed as a tight end, but in effect, he's, he's a, he's a pass-catching tight end. Mm -hmm. And so do you vote for him over some of these wide receivers? And as a first-time eligible, I don't see that. Julius Peppers, I think, will be a Hall of Famer at some point. He had a tremendous career. But, again, does he get in on a first time instead of the two remaining pass rushers, Dwight Freeney and Jared Allen? This, this Next year could be a year like last year where there were no first-time eligible guys get in. And that – is good news for everybody else who's been waiting because now there's five spots. Now, I don't know that it's going to be that way, but it wouldn't surprise me. And so, and that's the other part of it this year. You have two first-time guys get in, Joe Thomas and Darrell Rivas. That only leaves three other spots, which leads me to my solution, to the Hall of Fame conundrum that there is with first-time eligible guys. And if you look at it, Joe, in the last 11 years, I believe it is, out of the modern-day guys being elected, 38% of them are first-time eligible players. That's a big number. Yeah. And it keeps guys waiting, and it makes it really tough for those other guys when you have one of those years. So I have an idea that what the Hall of Fame should do is when you have your vote, you vote from 10 to 5, right? 
And if in the top five there are two first-time eligible guys, then add number six and seven to the finals and then vote up or down, yes or no, on all of them. And you might have a class. So hopefully you'd have a class with two more guys than you would. But that makes up for the first-time eligible guys, gets two more guys in. And the other thing it does, Joe, is open up more spots for the, for the, the next year to get into the final 15 to be discussed. If there's one first-time guy, first time, I'm not going to go as high as three. That would probably be too many to add. <laughs> but if there's one first-time eligible, then you add one. And obviously, if there's no first-time eligible guys in the top five, boom, you just wrote on the top five. And, and so that limits the number of guys coming back the next year. And I think that would be a great move for the Hall. I've run this by a few people, and everyone I've talked to said they like it. So we'll see where that goes when it gets you know, run up the flagpole. How, uh, how weird was it waking up in your own bed all week to cover a Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was it, you know, got to get in the car and drive down. You know, the, the weird – not the weird part about it, but the reality part about it is, is when, hey, let's be honest, when you go to the Super Bowl week, there's a lot of work, a lot of hours, but you also enjoy the nights and hanging out and doing this and doing that. And when you're out of town, you know, it's, you know, call home, speak to the wife, say, hey, how's everything? Here's what I'm doing tonight, you know, and I'll probably get home too late for me to call again. Now, when I leave in the morning, it's what time are you going to be home tonight? <laughs> That's the big difference. That's the big difference. What time are you going to be home? She, she's been pretty good, but I certainly haven't had any real, uh, real late nights, no, as you witnessed not, the other night when you were yeah. trying to get me to come over and party after yeah. the, uh, what was that, Monday night after Monday the night. Uh, opening night. Yeah. I know. It's not just like one, ta- one friend's in town for the week. Howard, you got like, you got 100 friends in town the, for the for Yeah, the that's true. <laughs> and she, she's been good about it, but, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird vibe when it's in the town where you are. You didn't bring, I, I figured you would have brought her to Radio Row. Well, she, she's a veteran well, of well, Radio Row. Well, she asked Row. about it. She says, can I get a day pass? And I said, well, I could, but, you know, when I get here at 10 in the morning, are you just going to be wanting to hang around all day? And, you know, she's not, you know, she has a bad back and all that. And then, of course, she says, well, I can go, I can go around and shop. And I said, well, that's a good reason not to bring her. <laughs> <laughs> It'll end up costing you uh, as much as an out-of-town Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> H, good catch. Catching up with you, man. Next, hey, next year in Vegas, it'll be you and Tori sitting across on I hope Friday, so. and I, I we'll, hope so. Uh, we'll talk. How, it out. However, we get it done, and other guys have said to me, "Hey, we're working on some things. You know, we got to break this wide receiver log jam." And well, no kidding, no kidding. It just seems to happen with the receivers a lot, and it's only going to continue to happen with the way these guys put up numbers. He's Howard Balls, or H, thanks for joining us uh, here to wrap up Radio Row. Appreciate that, Joe Roderick and Howard Balls, are two friends there covering the Super Bowl in Glendale, Arizona. And, yes, it is a matter of time before Torrey Hill gets in. It's still frustrating that he's approaching a decade without getting in. I'll tell you who did get in, and I'm so happy. He was at the finalist stage six other times, 2010, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2019. 2020. Don Coriel has broken through. He will be recognized for his contributions to the game, a coach contributor candidate to be elected. That's what the board of trustees adjusted in the selection process. And Don Coriel has been voted into Canton five seasons as coach of the St. Louis Cardinals. Take a listen. Wide to the left side, I Karras. Wide to the right side is Mel Gray. Backs now split. Steve Jones is in to run with Metcalf. Third down and eight at the 30 of Dallas. Back to throw his heart. Sets and looks. Fires up and toward the end zone. Up high and caught for a touchdown by Terry Metcalf. A superior catch by Terry Metcalf in a crowd. 
between Mel Renfro and Charlie Waters and Randy Hughes. And he made an, a tremendous catch, almost an impossible grab for Terry Metcalf, and the Cardinals break on top. That's Bob Starr with the call in that terrific 1975 season on KMOX for the St. Louis Cardinals and Coach Don Coriel. You want some more? Here it is. Wide to the left side goes Mel Gray. To the right side comes Ike Harris. Kane is tied on the left side. Backs off set strong, left behind Hart. First down at the Dallas 49. The backs off shift to the right side now. Behind Hart, who again works with the long count and goes back to throw and sets and looks and fires. Long and deep for Mel Gray. He's there at the 10-5. Touchdown! 49-yard touchdown pass from Jim Hart to Mel Gray, who just flat out ran. Mel Renfro and took it to the 5 and skipped in for the score, and the Cardinals are on the board again. Yes, the St. Louis Cardinals, the 1975 team, was tremendous. Don Coriel coached the Cardinals from 1973 to 1977, nine with the Chargers, finished his career with an all-time coaching record of 111 wins, 83 losses, and a tie. Eight of his 15 seasons as head coach were capped with winning records. His greatest influence, his innovative offensive approach, Air Coriel. You heard some of that attack right there, right here in St. Louis in the 1970s. It still is utilized in today's era of football, the deep passing game. That came from Don Coriel, airing it out. He was coach of the year in his second season with the Cardinals in 1974. Now he is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He joins that class and, you know, Mike Martz credited Don Coriel with a lot of what he did with the greatest show on turf. Uh, it is uh, terrific to know that Don Coriel is finally in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It makes us longtime Cardinals fans feel good. And yes, I am one of those. I was a Cardinals fan growing up as a young lad. Uh, that said, Jim Hannafin should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Jim Hannafin was the coach of the Cardinals but really known for his incredible work as an offensive line coach, probably the greatest offensive line coach to ever live. And it's a shame that he's not in. They should put coaches like him in there. It's 1146. It's sports on a Sunday morning. Back with our Super Bowl pick next. Welcome back to the Graybar Sports on a Sunday morning. Those mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Billikens win! Billikens win! Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. Welcome back to the show. We will be watching the Super Bowl on Fox. Excited for Kevin Burkhart calling his first Super Bowl. He takes over for Joe Buck as the voice of uh, the Super Bowl on uh, Fox. And, you know, he gets to do that with his buddy Greg Olson. Uh, They've known each other for a while, and they are, uh, I think, great teammates. I think it's a really good um, team. I really do like that broadcast team. In the meantime, um, I am picking in this game the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm going to try to listen for a little bit to the radio call for the Eagles. Merrill Reese is one of my favorites. He's old school. He's a great play-by-play man. And then 
Um, I'll listen to my buddy Mitch Holtus calling some radio uh, for the Chiefs. Just a reminder, we do not have that broadcast, in case you didn't know. Um, the exclusivity there is to Westwood One. So I'll check in and see what Kevin Harlan's doing. He'll be calling it on Westwood One with Kurt Warner. Uh, that's going to be, I think, a lot of fun to hear those three. I'm a big radio fan. I don't think there's any surprise there, but I like listening to the NFL on radio. I, I, I drive around sometimes on Sundays and try to jump around and hear some of the play-by-play. I've always been fascinated with the NFL on radio, going back to listening to Jack Buck as a kid called Monday Night Football with Hank Stram, uh, listening to Bill Wilkerson on this station for years calling the Cardinals. You heard earlier the calls of Bob Starr. Uh, So I'm going to try to check in and do that uh, as well as listen to the television broadcast if I can. I'm not a sit-through-the-commercials guy on the Super Bowl. I understand that people do that. A lot of them are already out. Mm-hmm. So it's taken kind of the excitement away from that for me. I also, you know, the commercial is the time for me to go get another beer or wing or a slice of pizza or something from the fridge or whatever. I, I, I'm just, I'm there for the football and the halftime show and all the hoopla and all that stuff. I'm not really there for the commercials. That's just me. I know we're going to go through it on Total Information AM tomorrow morning. So I'll go back and watch all the ones that everybody liked. And so I can talk to Debbie about it, but other, or Megan about it, and and Debbie. But other than that, I, I'm not really into all that. Um, what I am into is the play of the quarterbacks in particular. And I know that there are a lot of there's a lot more that goes into the game, but to be the quarterback in a Super Bowl, I can't think of more pressure on an athlete in a team sport than that. And you know they are the leaders. It's one of the hardest positions to play in sports to be the quarterback and to manage a team, especially on that stage. I know that Patrick Mahomes has the advantage here, and I've heard plenty about how Mahomes has the advantage and he's played in the big game and Jalen Hurts has not. Um, I beg to differ. I think that Hurts has played on a very grand stage at the University of Alabama and the University of Oklahoma, two very well-known football programs with high expectations, and he's excelled at both. In fact, to back me up on it, here is legendary Alabama coach Nick Saban. Well, I think Jalen is defined by his commitment to his development. Now, if you understand the history of this player, he went 26-2 and here as a starter, bought into everything in the program, and got beat out and went through a whole season after being 26 and two as a starter of being a backup player. And we had a conversation, I always meet with the player's strengths, weaknesses, where you need to work on. And he wanted to graduate from Alabama, so he wasn't gonna transfer until he graduated. I said, you need to work on becoming a better passer. You, you have to, you can't just make plays with your feet. So this whole season, I want you to focus in practice on reading coverages, uh, being more instinctive with getting the ball out your hand quick, anticipating throws and windows, and understanding the passing game better and being able to read and dissect what you need to do uh, quickly. And focus on that because you want to play in the NFL someday. That's what you need to improve on. And his diligence in doing that on a daily basis, wouldn't take off running in practice, made himself stand in the pocket and learn how to do that. And then when he wanted to transfer, uh, he said, well, I feel comfortable going to Maryland because Coach Loxley was my coach or going to Miami because Danny Enos was my coach. And, or I could go to Oklahoma. And I said, well, who has the best players? 
He wanted to go to Maryland or Miami. I said, you need to go to Oklahoma. They got the best players, best coach to develop you as a quarterback, and you're going to be around the best players, so that's going to enhance your chances of having success. So he did that. He had a great year. I was worried about having to play him in the playoffs. Being a quarterback there never worked out that way. And I can't tell you how proud I am of seeing this guy in the Super Bowl only because I know firsthand what he went through to get there and how he dedicated himself to doing the things that he needed to do to uh, make himself a better player, make him a, a complete player at the position. And, um, you know, we've got four guys on the Eagles. Everybody says, well, who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? I just root for This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Our guys. I just look at the roster and say, how many guys do we have on that team? Okay, that's what I'm for. That's Nick Saban. I love Nick Saban. By the way, it's from the 33rd team, which is uh, the33rdteam.com. Uh, it's a website that Nick Saban contributed to there. The 33rd team FB is their Twitter handle. I wanted to get that out there because I just love that description of Jalen Hurts. And I truly believe that at this time tomorrow morning, uh, we will have people talking about Jalen Hurts okay. as a Super Bowl champion, MVP. as the next star of this league. I think that he got overshadowed a little bit. I think that the Eagles actually overall got overshadowed, and I get it. I mean, there's some great ones out there. Mahomes is the top dog, and Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen, and who else? Herbert, and you know, there's a ton of them, great quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts is an outstanding quarterback. We'll see if I'm wrong, but I think he's going to have a great game tonight, and I think the Eagles are going to win this Super Bowl, and Nick Saban with a great description there of the path that he's been on. He's been through tough times. You know, there's, it's not like he's had some perfect career and then has never been smacked before. He has been smacked down, and now here he is on the grandest stage in football. So it should be a lot of fun here today. Also, keep an eye on, nice little appetizer before the game starts, two things. One, the Waste Management Open uh, in Scottsdale. Scotty Scheffler has a two-shot lead going in. And the other thing is a women's hoops game today. I don't remember the last time we saw something like this. LSU will visit South Carolina today at 1 o'clock. LSU's 23-0. and South Carolina is 24-0. That's awesome. 
number three at number one. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Gray Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. Enjoy the Super Bowl, folks. I got the Eagles winning 34-31. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.